Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Central Podcast. We took a look at the great sport of American football from over here in Australia. My name is Faship and joining me as always is Gordon Beat. Gordo, how are we? Yeah, no, doing pretty well. It's good to hear. On today's program, we'll be recapping the Thursday night football game between Washington and the Giants, uh, and then going on to preview all 15 remaining games in the week to slate. Okay, without further ado, let's go and relive Thursday night football. Good snap, good hold, kick is good. Washington wins it. Yes, indeed, they did win it. It was second time lucky for Dustin Hopkins converting a 43-yard field goal after his 48-yard field goal miss was nullified by New York offsides penalty, uh, giving Washington a thrilling 29-27 victory. They improved to 1-1 in front of their home ground uh, home crowd, whilst the Giants returned to the Meadowlands 0-2 for the fifth consecutive season. Gordo Joe Buck said on the telecast that it was the second highly entertaining Thursday night matchup we'd had in a row to kick off the season. Uh, he sure was right, wasn't he? Yeah, no, I mean, usually you get Thursday nights, they're not great games, but no, we've actually done pretty well so far. I mean, this week or next week's what, Carolina and Houston, so that could lower a bit. But yeah, no, they've been good so far. Yeah, and then I think we've got uh, possibly Jacksonville and Cincinnati the week after. But anyway, uh, we'll focus on the good. Um, start with the Giants, because you could, I'm sure, certainly argue they, they should have won this game, really, as is so often the case. I mean, Two key plays, I guess you'd look at. Uh, Daniel Jones looked like he'd rushed for a 58-yard touchdown, called back in part due to an, an offensive holding penalty on, on CJ Board. Uh, you know, looked a bit testy on the replay. The ball's put at Washington 22 and they couldn't score, um, this being in the third quarter. And then Washington oh, – sorry, the second quarter, sorry. Washington uh, got the ball back after the field goal, got a touchdown and had the lead at halftime, um, which was which was crucial. And then just when the Giants looked like they were back up and running, they had they scored 10 unanswered to start the second half. They scored on their first four drives of the second half. They had a, a 23-20 lead, got about uh, not long to go in the game. And then Jones has Darius Slayton wide open for a touchdown, um, perhaps a little overflow, overthrown, but you feel like Slayton could have hauled it in still. Um, they settled for a field goal. I mean, it's worth mentioning Graham Gano was their star. Uh, on Thursday night, five of five, including one from 55 and a 35-yard to give them the lead late. Um, so yeah, there's eight points they left out there on the field, and, and in the end, I guess that was the difference. Yeah, no, I mean normally you wouldn't normally want to say, oh, we lost the game on two or three plays, but I think here you almost could. I mean, realistically, if Dexter Lawrence doesn't jump off sides, we're talking about this game completely differently. We're looking at their season really completely differently. I mean, they're one and one, and everything's changed. But yeah, I mean. Those couple of plays that you mentioned really, I think, deflated the Giants. I mean, you could also look at um, when they get the ball back after the pick at the end of the game, or not the end of the game, but with like two and a half minutes left, they managed to take 15 seconds off the clock and kick a field goal from it when realistically they should be aiming to take off a lot more than that. Yeah, I mean, Jason Garrett's play calling is always going to be scrutinised. Um, and I thought some decisions uh, from Joe Judge, I mean, he punted the ball back Um back to with about uh, I think it was three three thirty or so to go down one at their own 40 uh, which was an interesting interesting decision of course um they got the interception a couple of plays later so it looked good for a while but ultimately they don't win the game so that comes under fire I mean it's a shame because Daniel Jones played quite well 23 22 of 32 249 and a score and then of course on the ground uh, uh, nine rushes 95 yards and a touchdown could have been the second one as I mentioned um 
Saquon Barkley quiet. Do you think the offensive line did a better job this week in, in protecting in protecting Jones? In protecting Jones, they did. I think their pass blocking was okay. The run blocking is still a major issue. I mean, Saquon finished with, what, 57 yards, I think. Yeah, 57 yards on 13 carries, but 41 of those came on the one carry. So, realistically, he had 16 yards on 12 carries. It's the, This running game is just horrible. I mean, Daniel Jones is almost their best runner at this point. Yeah, I mean, they mentioned on the telecast, Dave Gettleman, GM, he's made it about, he's made his tenure about, um, you know, kind of restoring that offensive line and winning in the trenches, and that's still not happening at the moment. Um, one last point on the Giants. For me, it was in many ways a carbon copy of their Thursday night football game against the Eagles. I think it was week six or seven last season um, where they really should have won the game, dominated for long periods. Jones had that long run where he fell over. Um, didn't get into the touch, uh, into the end zone. And then Evan Ingram dropped a catch on a third down that would have sealed it late. The Eagles get the ball, um, go down, score a touchdown and win. Um, by one point in the end, uh, you know, similar situation here. Um, and let's say the Giants, 0-2, uh, and two, they now head home. They do play Atlanta next week, who struggled in week one. So uh, you'd, you'd have to think they've got a chance there. But um, if they go 0-3, 0-4, uh, they play New Orleans after that. Um, you've got to think that Joe Judge is under a bit of pressure. Um, as for... The Washington football team almost said it there. Uh, it was all about Taylor Heineke and, you know, for, for the most part, Gordo uh, looked good. Certainly early on, looked for Terry McLaurin, who went over 100 yards and a touchdown, 11 catches. I mean, he was targeting him all the time on that first touchdown drive. Um, but I guess where he really shone was that two-play 75-yard drive um, when they really needed to score down 26-20 with just under five minutes to go in the, in the, in the game, hits J.D. McKissick down the sideline for 56 yards and that spectacular play to Ricky Seals-Jones in the back corner of the end zone. Um, you know, uh, I, I, at times it seemed like he well, is he a starting quality quarterback, starting caliber quarterback. You know, he was, he was missing some throws. It was a lot of high throws, some behind the receiver, but ultimately did enough to win the game. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's very similar to the performance he put up against the Bucks last year in that wild card game where he went pretty much toe-to-toe with Tom Brady. I mean, he's got a few incredible throws. I mean, obviously, I think you're expecting a guy in, as inexperienced as he is to make some bad throws. The interception was a questionable play call and decision. But, yeah, I mean, on the whole, it was a really positive performance. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that great, two-play drive, it was kind of the highest of highest to the lowest of lows because, as you mentioned, they got it back up from the punt with um, three minutes to go, essentially trying to make what uh, the Giants use their timeouts. They pass on second down, looking for McClure, and James Bradbury jumps the route, and suddenly it's looking like um, the Giants, you know, are going to win the game. As you talked about, they their play calling from then on was a bit circumspect, but you saw Heineke was devastated. I mean, through his held it into the ground, um, thinking it maybe cost his, his side a chance. But then, you know, he, he was able to run a two-minute drill, you know, near, to near perfection. I mean, there were some Giants penalties. You've mentioned the most um, costly of those being that offense, off defensive offsides on the um, field goal attempt. But, um, you know, he showed he can do enough to uh, win the game. And he's going to have to. I mean, they've got a very tough stretch coming up. They're at Buffalo. Atlanta's not bad. But then the Orleans, KC and Green Bay. Um, and they've got Tampa on the schedule. It's a first-place schedule, Gordo. Um, if they're going to keep winning games, he's got to be good. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's out for, what, eight weeks at least. So he's got those eight weeks to prove himself. And last point on this, 
this game change your view of the NFC East in any, in any particular way? I believe you did. Um, I certainly went for Dallas to win the division coming in. I believe you did have Washington. Um, your thoughts at the moment on that division? I've still got no idea, really. I mean, it's wide open at this point. I mean, if Philly can play as well as they did uh, last week for a lot of the season, they're a real chance. Dallas, even though they lost last week, was decent. And then the football team's been had a close loss to a very good team, I think, and then have won yesterday. So I think there's three teams. I don't think New York can win it, but I think any of the other three could. Mm. Yes, certainly uh, still a lot more uh, water to pass under the bridge, uh, I would say, in that division. Um, okay, we'll move on to the rest of the week too. Slate. Just last week I got nine, got I got seven in tipping, but on the certainty, certainty picks, you um, got one up on me. Of course, you had the Rams over the... Bears, uh, which eventuated, whereas I went for Buffalo over Pittsburgh, I went out in a limb and it uh, backfired on me. Uh, okay, we will start. We did our draft at the end of our um, Tuesday show. My team's playing in the early window, so I've got them first up, and it's San Francisco at Philadelphia. Gordo, one of three games on the slate with two undefeated teams playing. Um, look, again, week one. It takes a few weeks, I think, for many things to, sh- to shake out. Philadelphia, a very good performance. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurts looked amazing, over 300 yards, three scores. I mean, Devonta Smith stepped up six catches for a touchdown, 71 yards. Kenneth Gainwell, uh, a rookie at running back, nine rushes for a score and 37 yards. And then these kind of second-tier players, Jalen Rager showed up. Dallas Goddard, who's now the number one tight end over Zach Hurts. Um, and the much maligned offensive line, I think, did its job for the most part. Um you'd have to think the San Francisco defense can't afford to fall asleep like they did against the Lions in that last kind of quarter and a half. Uh, if Philadelphia's offense um, is as good as it was against Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, if, if the 49ers are going to let Detroit put up, what was it? 33 points on, you got to think Philly's a chance to do similar. Uh, they're better in just about every position, I think. So yeah, I think before the season, you probably would have penciled this in as a pretty easy win for the 49ers, but I think this is a real danger game for them. Yeah, Philadelphia at home, uh, obviously, first time with real fans, didn't have any last season. So that's that's a boost from them. Second straight week on the road for San Francisco or West Coast of its team. It's in the early window, so it's a 10 a.m. start, uh, essentially, for them. Um, on the other side of the ball, this battle between Jonathan Gannon, very inexperienced defensive coordinator, that had a good game, the unit, um, Philadelphia defensive unit, um, last week. We know how good this defensive line is. Uh, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Uh, Hargrave and the likes. Uh, they kept Atlanta out of the, the end zone, six points in the first two drives, and then nothing for the rest of the game. But we have to consider that that may, may just be part of that, may just be how insipid that Falcons offense is. Um, the secondary was a little bit concerning. They played rather well. You know, they're, they've gonna, they're going up against it. I mean, they've got uh, what Devo Samuel almost went for 200 yards, nine catches for 189, a touchdown last week. Um, George Kittle, I mean, he's a beast, four catches for 78 yards. Um, and then trying to figure out, I guess, this this to double punch, I guess, at quarterback with Jimmy G and Trey Lance. And then rookie running back Eli Mitchell was very impressive against the Lions with 104 yards and a score on 19 carries. Um, I honestly think this is going to be a close game. It's going to be the entertaining game we're all, we're all looking out for. Um, in the end, I'll trust the experience of Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, to do what he does best, to work up a game plan, um, and get a win. I'm saying something like maybe the 31-30 territory, so certainly a high-scoring, entertaining game right down to the wire. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking similar to you. I've gone uh, the 49ers 31 to 24. I mean, they're probably a touchdown better team. Um, being at home at Philly probably helps the Eagles a bit. But yeah, I think San Fran's going to just win it. Yeah, then they go back and they play Green Bay, Seattle at home. So it you know, doesn't get any easier for them. And, and Philadelphia have Dallas on, on a Monday night football in week three. So um, both teams will be looking to, to start off 2-0. and um, You know, it never hurts. Um, with your first overall pick, Gordo, you took uh, the Raiders travelling to Pittsburgh. This is the second um, game on the slate, which features two teams that won in week one. Pittsburgh upsetting the Bills in Buffalo and Vegas with that dramatic win on Monday night football. Who do you like in this one? I'm thinking I'm leaning towards the Steelers here. I mean, their defense, as we saw last week, yeah, Josh Allen passed for a lot of yards, but I think we talked about it uh, on Tuesday. Um, It's one of the worst 250-yard games you'll see. So this defense is just as good as it was last year. Uh, The offense wasn't great against Buffalo, but I think the Raiders, their defense was actually decent against Baltimore. They showed out uh, that pass rush was really impressive. But that was against a pretty poor offensive line. Um, I don't think the Steelers, for as much as I don't like their offensive line, I think it's better than Baltimore's. Um, I think they'll stand up to the Vegas pass rush a lot better. Uh, Max Crosby, uh, Unique Darkway, I think he's questionable at the moment with a hamstring. So they probably will get Cleland Farrell back, who was a scratch for last game. But yeah, I think it'll be... It won't be a low-scoring game, but it won't be a high-scoring game. I think I'm leaning towards Pittsburgh 20-17 to 17 here. Yeah, I mean, I've got to agree. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I mean, the Raiders gained 406 yards on Baltimore, considered to be a good off uh, defense. But, of course, Marcus Peters' key injury there, um, and they lost some pieces in the offseason. This Pittsburgh defense, as you mentioned, looks as good as ever. Um, if they can keep the Bills to, I think it was 16 points, I don't see... Uh, Raiders scoring many more than that. Uh, on the other hand, I don't think Pittsburgh are good enough to run away with it on offense. Um, as you know, they're a ground and pound team. You know, I mean, the reason they beat the Bills, they had that one big play on special teams and one good touchdown drive. And aside from that, it was, uh, you know, they didn't show up really much on offense at all. I've got kind of 24 23. I, I went with the Raiders initially. Uh, am I brave enough to keep that tip on the road? Um, we all underestimated Pittsburgh coming into the season. Nah. No, I think, I think I'll take Pittsburgh. I'm not going to go out and on a limb with that one quite yet. Um, you know, Vegas obviously got the momentum from that Monday night football win, but, um, you know, I can I can see them having an honourable loss here in a tight game. But, um, yeah, it's a good first pick from you. Should be an entertaining one. Um, my second pick, I picked the third game, funnily enough, that has the uh, third and last game with two undefeated teams this weekend. It's uh, the Saints at the Panthers, divisional showdown, of course, in the NFC South. Um, look, we've talked about a lot on Tuesday how impressive Jameis Winston and this not only the Saints offense was, but this Saints defense keeping Aaron Rodgers and co to just three points. Um, the Panthers one also just wasn't as impressive. I mean, you watch their game via the Jets, Gordo. They did when I remember they let the Jets come into it quite a bit late, but um, you know, of those two teams, it's clear who had the more impressive week one showdown. Um, I do. I, I like the Saints in, in this one. I'm quite confident, actually, they're my certainty pick for the week. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Carolina, a young defense, uh, I guess, has the firepower or, or the talent to to stop this Saints offense. Um, I know there is a bit of news you're going to tell us on the COVID front with the, the Saints coaching staff, but um, 
as long as Sean Payton's there calling plays for Jameis Winston, I like this offense to keep rolling. Yeah, I think I'm similar again. Um, they're missing, they'll be missing seven coaches, I think, at the moment uh, due to COVID-19 protocols. Uh, they're on the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, as you mentioned, Sean Payton's there. I don't think it's going to be a huge loss. Um, yeah, I think I'm leaning towards the Saints as well. The Panthers, I do actually quite like them this year. They were pretty dominant last week against the Jets, but obviously it is the Jets. But yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a close one again. I'm probably going 24-20 to the Saints, but I'm, I'm still tossing up on that one, actually. Yeah, well, taking a look at the, the, the stats from last week, Carolina moved the ball, um, 381 yards of offense, but they were one for four in the red zone. Um, and that's not going to be enough to win um, when you're going up against the Saints offense. Um, so, yeah, they're going to have to be more efficient. Uh, so we like what they're doing, but I think perhaps we're realizing after week one, the Saints, you know, may not be uh, losing grip of the NFC South crown just quite so quickly. Um, your second overall pick was uh, another divisional matchups in the AFC East. Buffalo heading down to Miami. Started off 0-1, not what many people expected, whilst Miami got the tough, hard-fought victory up in New England. Uh, what do you like about this one? I think uh, divisional games are always entertaining. I think um, that's the main part. Miami, I think they were favourites heading into last week and barely got out of there with the win. Um, the offence wasn't necessarily convincing. Um they were okay. They did their job, uh, put up 17 points against a pretty good defense, but I think there's still a way to go before they're a real threat offensively. But then Buffalo, I think, were one of the major disappointments from last week. I mean, going into Pittsburgh, who I think a lot of people had dropping out of the playoffs maybe this year. I know I think both you and I did. Um, and then putting up 16 points at home. So I think Buffalo is good enough to get the win here, but this Miami defense, which forces a lot of turnovers against a quarterback who has been turnover prone in the past, is a bit of a worry, I think, for Buffalo. Um, I'm taking I'm taking Buffalo, I think, uh, just similar to the last score, 24 to 20. But um, being in Miami as well, I think that's that's a bit of an issue uh, because that Miami, that Miami heat is quite difficult to deal with. Yeah, I was taking a look at last year's schedule. The Bills went down to Miami in week two and won pretty comfortably 31, to, uh, not, sorry, not pretty comfortably, but by a field goal, 31 to 28. So I would expect a similar kind of entertaining affair. Um, good start to the season for Tua. Not a massive day statistically. They got the job done in New England. The defense gave up almost 400 yards um, with Mac Jones at, uh, at quarterback. We talked about how Josh Allen gained 250. I'd be shocked if he doesn't gain more than that this game. I think it's a bounce back game for this offense. This defense was largely good. I mean, I just mentioned um, the special teams came out a touchdown. So for the most part, this Bills defense was was quite good against that Pittsburgh offense. Um, yeah, I'd be staggered if the Bills don't win this game. The, at, a, at an 0-2 hole, it's not looking good when they've got Washington, Kansas City, um, excuse me, and at Tennessee on the um, scheduling coming weeks. You don't want to fall behind teams in your division. Um yeah, I, I do like I do like the Bills in this one. Um, on to my third pick, the Rams at Indianapolis. Rams obviously flying high after that Sunday night football win over the Bears, uh, whilst the Colts, uh, well, they lost their home opener to Seattle and will try and shake that off and uh, try and avoid falling into that early 0-2 hole. Um, 
course, we see the stat, not many, many teams make the playoffs from 0-2. Um, I mean, as we discussed on Tuesday, Gordo, Matthew Stafford's Ram debut couldn't have gone any better. He had a 321-yard, three-touchdown night. He was the NFC's Offensive Player of the Week um, and all went smoothly in that win over uh, Chicago. Conversely, um, Carson Wentz's debut didn't go to plan. I mean, the line line was all right, but um, I seem to recall you telling me you watched this game in week one. The O-line wasn't quite as good as we've come to expect over the past few years against the Seattle pass rush of all teams. Uh, and Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, looking at the replay, made mincemeat of this de- this secondary 28-16 um, to 16 was the final. If they're going to have any chance on Sunday, the offensive line is going to have to be pristine, like it's formed from the last few seasons, because this is, as we know, one of the best defensive lines and defences in football. Um, uh, and, you know, this LA defence looked every bit itself on Sunday night. The Bears didn't even get to 200 yards passing and 14 points on nine offensive series. Uh, it's going to—it's asking a lot of this team to Indianapolis to turn it all around in one week, Gordo. So I, I like the Rams to keep up their winning ways, say thirty to twenty-three, and that's that's a generous scoreline for Indy, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've gone with a bit more of a blowout. I've gone thirty-four twenty to the Rams. Um, I think they're just about probably with the Buccaneers at the moment, the best team in the NFC. Stafford, as you mentioned, has taken them, I think to that next level. So, yeah, I mean, the Colts. I, I was reasonably high on them coming to the year, but after last week, I'm not confident in this offensive line's ability to do anything really. So yeah, until that, until I see it different, I'm going with the Rams here. Yeah. I thought that um, they needed to get two wins of the first five, probably uh, to be any chance. Cause this first five is very tough. We've had Seattle, they've got the Rams and at Tennessee, who didn't look any good in week one at Miami and at Baltimore. And then got at Francis, San Francisco in week seven. So could be a very, very tough first half of the season for Frank Reich and co. there in Indiana. Um, Gordo, your third pick. Cincinnati at Chicago wouldn't have been seen as one of the more interesting games when you looked at the schedule coming into the year, but um, I think we both think it could be quite a tight affair. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, you'd think, okay, um, maybe you've got Andy Dalton returning to Cincinnati, which is a bit of a fun story, but I think the main thing here is can Chicago bounce back after a pretty disappointing week last week? Um, they were not impressive at all. Uh, I mean, especially defensively, which is a bit of a um, diversion from what they've had in years past. So many times the Rams receivers were just able to get past these safeties. Um, and Cincinnati, based on what they did last week with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, I could see similar happening. Um, I mean, offensively, uh, the Bears are... I think what the Bears have always been offensively, they're not great. They're not inspiring at all. Um, I think they were the only team last week that didn't throw a ball more than 15 yards downfield, which is a bit of an issue, but they don't really have the targets down there. Um, Andy Dalton's never really been one to just throw it deep the whole time. Um, Yeah, I think the main intrigue now is whether Justin Fields enters the game or not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you mentioned the Chicago defense. That's where my worry is. The offense, we expect them to score 14, 17, 20 points a game. Um, again, Andy Dalton, a lot of pressure. But this defense, as you said, un- uncharacteristic, their performance against the Rams. I mean, 386 yards they gave up. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a high scoring league, 7.7 yards per play and those two big bomb touchdowns from Stafford. This is what seemed like blown coverage on a couple of attempts, uh, on a couple of attempts there from the Rams down the field. Uh, it's uncharacteristic, not what we've come to expect. And you expect, and you would imagine they would 
um, you know, come out firing in this second game. Cincinnati played one of the worst defenses. We, well, we think again, only one game's passed in the Vikings. Um, their defense, I'm also not hot on. Um, you know, they let the Vikings come back into the game. I still think they're a bottom 10 defense. So Andy Dalton's going to have an opportunity to move the ball. He needs to make the most of this opportunity because if they lose and go 0 and 2, um, as you've mentioned, you feel like uh, the calls for Justin Fields to start uh, are just going to get even louder. Is it home for Chicago? I like them just, but this game can go either way. I've got them 29, 21 to 19, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I've gone with the Bengals actually winning this one 21 to 20. I think they go on and somehow get to 2-0, which I don't think anyone would have had predicted at the start of the year. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati, looking at the schedule... After this game at Pittsburgh, tough. But then they got Jacksonville, Detroit, and the Giants in alternating weeks across a four or five-week period. So there's wins there. They could be in a wildcard spot at halfway point of the season. But again, trying to make too many early predictions. But certainly it'll be worrying signs. You think Matt Nagy's already on the hot seat if they go 0-2, 0-3 and, and don't start Fields. He could be in trouble. I think we all think Fields is his only chance at holding on to this job, really. Um, my fourth pick, final pick in the early window, was Houston at Cleveland, an interesting pick. Um, I think many, I mean, Gordo and I, we both tipped Houston to win. Not many people, a lot of people were shocked by their win over um, over the Jags. I think we were less shocked about the result, perhaps about the margin. It was a 17-point win, and they looked very impressive on offense, in particular with Tyrod Taylor. The defense picked up three turnovers. That was more than their entire um, amount last season uh, on Trevor Lawrence. Um, Cleveland played close to just about as well as any team in week one that didn't win. They dominated for three quarters. I mean, this rushing attack, we know how good it is. I mean, Nick Chubb, 15 for 83 and two scores. Kareem Hunt chipped in six for 33 and one. Um, you know, they ground this Chiefs offense into the ground for three quarters, yet they came up empty, Gordo. Um, but I think we'd expect them to um, register their first win of the season back at home uh, against the Texans. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to think so. I think uh, Texans last week obviously looked good, but I don't think anyone's really falling for that. Um, most people seem to realise, yeah, that was against possibly the only team in football that's worse than them at this point. So, I mean, if they, against the Browns, put up a decent fight, then I think more people might start to consider them as not one of the worst teams of all time. But, yeah, I don't see this being close at all. I think I'm, I'm obviously taking the Browns. I'm going probably something like 35 to 17, it's not going to be a close one. Yeah, I mean, sentimental occasion. The Browns back in front of their home fans for the first time since they broke a 26-year playoff hoodoo. Um, you know, dog pound, Cleveland Knaves will be uh, as loud as you can imagine uh, for this game. And I agree with you. I've gone 31-19. I did consider making it a bit close, but I've got to agree with you. I don't think there's going to be any troubles here. Um, you know, the winning ways, I think, end for Houston pretty early. Um you know, they can take a 1-0 start, but I don't think anyone expects them to go 1-1 one one, um, this weekend in Cleveland. Uh, your fourth pick, Gordo, another divisional matchup between in the AFC East. It's the Patriots visiting the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I think this one's actually going to be quite a fun game. Um, you've got the battle of the two rookie quarterbacks in Zach Wilson and Matt Jones. Um, both looked okay, I guess, last week. Um, they made some good throws. They made some bad throws, but... On the whole, I think they were both positive debuts, so uh, we get to see them both sort of match up. I mean, quarterbacks never really play against each other, but you know what I mean? That we get to see them on the same field. Uh, yeah, I think that's the main storyline heading into this. Um, neither team's necessarily a contender this year. Uh, both started 0-1, obviously. 
But yeah, I think this could end up actually being quite a fun game to watch. Um, the Pats' defense is obviously pretty good. Uh, the Jets, not so much. But yeah, I think it's a tough one to pick. Actually, I think I'm going to lean towards the Pats, probably something like seventeen to ten. I don't see the offense is doing too much, but yeah, I think it'll be close for most of the day. And what did you make of Robert Sala's defense? You saw them obviously on the road in Carolina last week. I think they gave up nineteen points. Um, was it a promising start? And do you see a similar sort of performance against the Pats? I mean, my worry is that they made Sam Darnold look pretty good. I mean, he wasn't great, but he did look good. Um, and based on the last couple of years, I don't know if that's a good sign for that defense or not. But there were positive signs there. I think that's the main thing. Obviously, it's going to be a late year one, but there were good parts about it. Yeah, I mean, I think the Patriots have had the, had the chalk over the Jets for many years now, and I would expect that to continue. I've got 24-6 and a little bit more high scoring than you, Gordo, uh, for that game. In the Meadowlands, move on to the last game uh, in the early window, Denver at Jacksonville. We've talked a bit about Jacksonville and their Torrey performance in week one, whereas Denver had a win on the road in the Giants, uh, in, the, in the Giants, in the Meadowlands, sorry, against the Giants. Um, I mean, we both tipped the Giants, but we didn't have any confidence. Um, I, thought, I kind of think, I certainly thought, and I'm sure you did too, that with similar win teams, the Giants uh, and the Broncos. But Teddy looked very impressive, and, and this defense is always going to be kind of top 10 range, you've got to think. Yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the biggest surprises of last but Teddy looked really impressive. So, yeah, I mean, I could see a similar result for Jacksonville as it was last week, a pretty big blowout loss in the end. Um, similar sort of numbers as well. Trevor Lawrence could end up throwing for another 300 yards, but turn the ball over a few times. I think the biggest thing going into this is how the Jags use James Robinson. Uh, they only gave him five carries last week and three catches for a guy who ran for over a 1,000 yards last year. That feels like unders. So I'm really curious to see if they actually get him more involved this week. So there was no reason given for that? No injury or anything? Just, just no, I don't think so. Much they just used time. Charles Hyde over him. So, yeah, it was a weird call, that one. Confusing, a bit bemusing after his, um, you know, how well he was in his rookie season a year ago. Um, yeah, I mean, I think think Denver will win. I've gone 37-17, which, again, is quite similar. I think it was 20-37 to 37, uh, in their week one matchup for Jacksonville. Um, it's interesting. Every time over the last few years when we've wa- we've wanted to trust Denver, really since the Super Bowl, um, they're going to let us down. I mean, you had them making the playoffs last year, and then that, that didn't um, pan out. Um, what well, I... They've got to take care of business here. I mean, let's be frank. It's on the road in Jacksonville, but, um, you know, we know they're going to win home games. They've got the Jets after this at home. They should take care of business. Mention these first three games. If they wanted to be a playoff team, they'd have to win all three. They've won one. Um, and a very disappointing result for them. And Vic Fangio, who, another coach who's still on the hot seat, I reckon. Um, if they don't take care of business down there in Jacksonville. Okay, on to the late window. Uh Gordo, you picked first, uh, and you went up to the Pacific Northwest, Tennessee, visiting Seattle after a um, poor performance in week one. Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, Tennessee's got to bounce back here, surely. I don't think two weeks in a row they put up a a performance like last week. Um, They just feel like too good of a team to do that. Um, I think I'm still going to take Seattle to win here. They looked, I mean, that offense looked just about perfect for most of the game last week. Russell Wilson... Obviously, through just about as well as any quarterback has. Um, the receivers were on target. The running game got going. The defense was pretty good as well. This pass rush looked really good against the Indianapolis front. Um, 
And based on how Tennessee's line played last week, I can see similar happening again. I mean, uh, Taylor Lewan let Chandler, let Chandler Jones have five sacks last week. I can see not necessarily from one player, but a similar total for the team for Seattle this week. Um, I think the games ends up the game ends up a lot closer. Um, I've got Seattle winning this. Uh, where is it? Twenty-eight to twenty-four. But yeah, the Titans dropped to zero and two, which I don't think anyone saw coming. Yeah, I mean, spot on. I mean, I got 34-24, the Hawks winning. I considered making it um, uh, less close, but I think that's about right, 10 points. I, I do I do agree. I don't think Tennessee can be that bad uh, two weeks in a row. Um, look, I raised concerns about the new offensive coordinator. Didn't have a great start, Todd Downing. Uh, in, in You know, last year and previous years, you'd think, oh, Seattle's defense is a perfect game to get to get going uh, as an offense, but they looked very good, as we've discussed last week. Um so, so a real test of them. Uh, plus, I mean, uh, CenturyLink Field, it's got a new name, sorry, Lumen Field, I believe it's called now. Um, up in Seattle has been the hardest place to win, I reckon, you know, cumulatively over the past 10 years or so. So if they can get a win up there, that would probably flip the script. And we think, we'd be thinking about them as the favourites in that division. I mean, you've got Indianapolis. Uh, they lost Houston, who won, but we don't think much of them. And then Jacksonville could be the worst team in football. Despite their performance in week one, Gordon, you still feel kind of oddly as though Tennessee is, is possibly still the team to beat in this division. I mean, yeah, you'd have to think so. Um, it's somehow gone from a division that looked somewhat decent in preseason, at least the top two, to one of the worst in football. So, yeah, I mean, you'd have to think Tennessee, if they can get this running game going again, if they can get Julio Jones more involved, should run away with it. But based on last week, I'm not so confident in that. Yeah, one of a few divisions who's looking a bit shaky early on. I mean, they've got, after this game, Indianapolis, the Jets, the Jags. So wins there, but then it's a first-place schedule. Buffalo, Kansas City at the excuse me, at the Rams, New Orleans. I mean, you know, there are hard games on this schedule. So they, I mean, this would be a big scalp. Um, but, yeah, I think we both expect uh, Seattle to come out on top. Uh, my first pick was Dallas at the Chargers. You know, this is the Tony Romo game of the week. It's the top game on CBS. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it should be quite entertaining. Dallas um, obviously started the season pretty well, similar to Cleveland. Had a good day offensively, um, but came up against, you know, an all-time quarterback. Um, you know, it, whoever had the ball last, Brady had the ball last, did the job. Um, I think Dallas has got to be happy with what they saw. At the same time, the Chargers, they finally won a close game, 20-16. Uh, in Maryland over Maryland against uh, Washington. Um, tough one to pick, Gordo. I think this is another one who could be close. I've got to go into overtime, a 29 to 26 win to the Chargers. Uh, again, putting to bed for the second week in a row uh, that idea that they can't win close games. Um, it'd be devastating for Dallas, though, to start 0-2 when they've got to butter up and play Philadelphia on a Monday night football game at home. Um, you feel like in a certain kind of way they need this win. Yeah, no, I think they definitely do. I think both teams do, really. I mean, the Chargers needed to keep pace with the Chiefs, who look like they're probably going to run away with that division again if LA drops a couple early ones. Um, I think the biggest thing here for the Cowboys is the loss of Demarcus Lawrence, who's, well, I was going to say probably, but I think definitely their best defensive player at the moment is broken for at least six to eight weeks. So outside of him, that defense is really lacking that extra pass rusher. Uh, Micah Parsons might step into the role, but yeah, against a pretty good Chargers offensive line, I just don't see how Dallas limits their scoring. So yeah, I think I'm going to take the Chargers winning 30 to 27. I think similar to what you had, high scoring, entertaining, but 
ultimately, I think it'll come down to a field goal. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about Dallas not playing another playoff team from last season until week 11 when they travel to Kansas City. Um, however, I think this is probably the toughest game out of those. I mean, it's regardless where they finished last week. This team looked very good last year where a lot of us tipped this team to make the playoffs. Um, you know, these are no easy beats by any stretch. Um, and then, as I mentioned, Philadelphia, who won, Carolina, who won, they've got on the schedule. Um, they've got winnable games there, but if you want to be winning this division, you want to pick up games like this. Uh, do you get the feeling, I mean, we just talked about the AFC South, about how that's a how that's a weak division. You still have the idea that we could see Dallas still winning this division with a nine wins or an eight wins or a 10 wins? Or do you think what we saw offensively, and even the defense was improved uh, against Tampa Bay, is enough to see them perhaps winning something like 11 games? Um, I mean, as I mentioned, the DeMarcus Lawrence loss really hurts and that's taking away pretty much all their pass rush. But yeah, I think they'll still be able to get, they should be able to at least get to nine wins, whether that is enough or whether they will need that those couple extra wins to get across from someone like Washington or even Philly. I think that remains to be seen. Yeah, harsh as it, harsh as it may be, I think if they don't, get to the playoffs and win the division. I think Mike McCarthy's going to be hanging around for a third season. Um, you second pick in the late window, you went for Minnesota at Arizona, two teams with markedly different results in one week one Arizona, possibly the most impressive team uh, routing uh, the Titans down in Nashville and Minnesota losing one that we really all expected them to win in Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this is going to be a great game. Um, but- I think I took it just because it was pretty much the last one left. But, yeah, I mean, the Cardinals probably win this fairly easily based on what we saw last week. I mean, Minnesota's offensive line is probably their biggest weakness. And based on what we saw last week, the Cardinals' pass rush is fairly strong. Uh, Chandler Jones could have another day out. JJ Watt could get going. Uh, This Cardinals' defense in general is much improved. Uh, I'm looking forward, actually, to seeing Patrick Peterson against his old team as well. See how he plays for the Vikings against... He'll probably end up with the DeAndre Hopkins matchup. Uh, see if he can actually guard him. But yeah, I've got the Cardinals winning this probably thirty-one to fourteen, something like that. I don't think this is going to be particularly close. So a real blowout. Um, I, I know everything points towards uh, Minnesota not being a good team, but I'm not quite ready to give up on them. I don't know why I had them going to the playoffs. Um, well, having said that, I'm not picking them to win the game, but I think it'll be close to be honest. Um, They've got peace. The offensive line isn't good, and Dalvin Cook only had three yards per attempt last week. But you've got to think this offense rebounds in some way. I mean, Kirk Cousins was very was had good statistical numbers. He nearly always does. Even if you look at the numbers, say Justin Jefferson looked quite good. Adam Thielen two touchdowns looks quite good. Um, if they can't bounce back from there, they're going to be a dismal team to watch throughout this season. Um, you didn't. I don't know if you watched that game against or bits of that game against Cincinnati, Gordo, but it was painful to watch at times. And as we've learned, I mean, I wasn't hot on this Cardinals defense, but as you've mentioned, especially that pass rush, they were very impressive last weekend uh, against a team we thought was going to be good on offense uh, in Tennessee. Um, if we do see the same domination from this Cardinals defensive line and weak play from the uh, Vikings offensive line, then I agree with you. I think it will not be close at all. Um, but second straight week on the road. Minnesota. I say they put in a greedy performance, maybe 31-26, 31-27, but I'd have to agree with you. I think Arizona win, go to 2-0, and and this NFC West is looking better than ever. Okay, that wraps up. Oh, sorry, no, it doesn't. There's one more game left in the late 
uh, window. The last one that I got given, that was Atlanta at Tampa Bay, Gordon. Now, this is one I think could be a real blowout. Um, Atlanta were probably the worst team, in my opinion, you know, in terms of matching expectations coming into week one. They were blown out by Philly. Tampa Bay, uh, you know, it was it was tight at times, but they got the win over Dallas, and I don't think anyone's expecting them to uh, drop this one. Yeah, I mean, I've got them winning, I think, 42 to 17 or something like that. Um, yeah, this, even if it's a division game, this won't be close. I don't think there's much more that you can really say about it based on, I mean, last week and just predictions in general. Yeah, I mean, I've got 33 to 13. What is there to say? I mean, this um, this offense was putrid from the Falcons. Uh, you know, 260 total yards of offense. Two scoring drives in the first quarter and then nothing the rest of the game. Um, I mean, it's probably a good game for this Bucks defense because, honestly, I was a bit of a little concerned watching that Cowboys game. They couldn't stop them. Um, the Cowboys didn't punt from essentially the start of the second quarter onwards. Okay, about 451 yards. Um, they were able to play very good red zone defense, um, which is what won them the game. Uh, I think it's. I think. They'll step up this way. I, I I can see the Falcons scoring something like six again, and, and they could be in the running with Jacksonville, you think, for that first overall pick. Um, whereas for Tampa Bay, this is just a game you tick off uh, on the schedule. They're at the Rams next week, which should be an absolute uh, an amazing game. I believe that is a primetime game. I'd have to check. But, um, yeah, I think this is just one where the, the Bucks. I don't think it's even a trap game. I think they can just sit and say, tick, yep, yeah, that's a win for us. And uh, uh, move on to next uh, week. Oh, the game between the Bucks and the Rams, by the way, is a six twenty-five, so it's a late window game next week in LA. Um, move on to the two primetime games. Sunday Night Football, Gordo in Baltimore, Kansas City, making the trip um, again. When the schedule is released, people are looking at this and saying, you know, what a matchup could be the game of the season. These, I believe, it's the last three seasons they played each other, uh, being division winners, and. Uh, they've been entertaining in all occasions. I mean, last season on Monday Night Football, the Chiefs ran away with it a little, but. Uh, Pat Mahomes yet to lose to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and I don't see that changing this week. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. Um, yeah, the Ravens, they looked okay against Vegas. Um, the offense uh, moved pretty well, despite, I think, terrible offensive line play, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, and they've lost Ronnie Stanley for this week as well, who's probably their best lineman. So this Chiefs pass rush could... Um, yeah, put in a similar performance to what Vegas did last week, if not better. Um, the Chiefs' defence in general, I mean, last week they gave up a fair few points to a really good offence in Cleveland. I think we'll see a similar sort of result to that. Um, I'd probably put the Ravens and the Browns on a similar level. Um, so, yeah, probably, a, I think, a reasonably tight game with the Chiefs coming out on top in the last quarter. Again, similar to what seems to be every Chiefs game at the moment, something like 31 to 30. Uh, Kansas City wins. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the defensive play. I mean, uh, Kansas City gave up 457 yards and 8.2 yards per play, which uh, I'm here to tell you is a lot. Um, the reason I'm not so confident from the Ravens' perspective on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, we mentioned Marcus Peters out. The secondary appeared vulnerable. I mean, even you're looking at the touchdown that won the game for Vegas on Monday night, that was uh, blowing coverage. He was almost wide open. Um and when you're playing the Chiefs, as the Browns learnt last week, one missed assignment, and that's it. I mean, we saw that um, 
what was that, a hit Tyreek Hill on a one-play drive 75 yards. You can't afford to let them have these big plays. That's what most defenses try and do. They try and limit the big plays, keep them in front of you, you know, give them a six- and eight-yard gain. Um, issue is Wink Martindale, the Ravens' defensive coordinator, likes to be aggressive, a lot of man coverage and a lot of blitzing Gordo. You feel like if he does that, that's a recipe of a disaster with a weakened secondary, and you know we all know what Patrick Mahomes is like. Yeah, I mean... I think even if they did call a fairly vanilla game, I think it'd still be pretty high scoring. I don't think there's any way that they're stopping this Chiefs offense. Yeah, to be fair, they give up 491 yards against Vegas uh, uh, on Monday night, and that's the most they've given up since when they played the Chiefs last year on Monday Night Football, where they gave up over 500 yards. Um, yeah, I got to agree. With them. Patrick Mahomes is fit; he's fired up. I'm not going to pick against him. Um, possibly all season if he's still playing and fit and healthy. I've got very similar to you, 33 to 30, Kansas City win. I'll trust John Harbour and this team to make it an entertaining spectacle. No one wants to see a blowout in Sunday Night Football. Um, but Kansas City win, 2-0 and start, well, uh, heading towards their, I believe it's fifth straight 4-0 start uh, in a row. If they get it this season, they've got the charges uh, in week three. That should be a great game. And then at Philadelphia, looking ahead, which could be another great game. Um, we finish with your team, Gordo. The Packers, they're hosting the Lions, another divisional game on Monday Night Football, um, the traditional home of football, Lambeau Field. Uh, I mean, what can we say? Green Bay desperate to put last week's annihilation behind them at the hands of the Saints. Uh, you know, the Lions were, I guess you could say, brave and not giving up and coming back to make it an eight-point game, but this defense is still a major issue. Um, I think pretty much everyone sees an angry Aaron Rodgers and a blowout coming. I think everyone but Packers fans do at this point. I mean, I don't know. The Lions have always given the Packers problems over the years. I mean, even when they've been absolutely terrible and the Packers have been at the height of their powers, there's still been close finishes. I mean, the last couple of years, there was that uh, series where I don't think the Packers led for a single minute in either game, and yet they won both with last-second field goals. And the Lions always seem to play the pack as well. I'm not sure whether that was Matt Stafford or the Lions. Maybe now that he's gone, it's different. But, yeah, I'm still seeing a pretty close game here, actually. Um, the Packers' offense last week looked terrible against the Saints' defense that isn't one of the best in the league. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Packers still something like 28 to 24, but this is not going to be a blowout. I think many people are expecting it to be, but it won't be. Typical pessimistic uh, Packers fan. Um, last time I remember, I could be wrong, a Monday night football game between these two in Green Bay 2019, back when Matt Patricia was the coach. And I think you mentioned it, you guys came back to win Mason Crosby last second field goal. And that was a game rife with some horrible officiating calls, some hands to the face action against poor old Trey Flowers. Um, Duped the official. And I believe there were two calls on that last drive that um, really aided you and put you in position to win that game. Um, it's funny you mentioned it, it won't be a blowout. I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking, this seems, it's not a danger game, but I, I have to agree with, I don't think it's going to be that 21-point margin, that 17-point margin that everyone's talking about. I think maybe 24, 25 to 31 is a more, more accurate representation. Having said that, I'd be stacking if you guys don't win. I think Aaron Rodgers does not play two games with a 36.8 passer rating in a row. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get essentially benched for Jordan Love two weeks in a row. Um what does interest me is your deep Joe Barry. I mean, this defense is arguably worse than San Francisco's, and Jared Goff managed to pick them apart in the last quarter of the game. Um, I guess are you all at all concerned about this, or are you looking at this as an example of a game where Joe Barry can finally exert his dominance as this with his new scheme? 
hoping so, but then the news comes out this morning that Zadari Smith is going on to IR. So that's pretty much the best pass rusher on the team. Gone for a couple of weeks at least. Um, he did look pretty limited last week with his back. So, it, I mean, it gives the chance for Rashawn Gary to really show what he can do. Um, he was picked, what, 12th overall a couple of years ago. Uh, he's been really hyped up through this training camp. And, yeah, now's his chance, I guess, over the next couple of weeks to really show what he can do. Um, he'll probably be lining up against Penaisal, who actually did a really good job on Nick Bosa last week. So that could be a fun matchup. Yeah, that was underrated, that performance. I haven't seen much reporting about that. He did, he did very well after some a shaky off-season. Um, it's amazing what happens when you play him in the correct position instead of putting him <laughs> out at right tackle. Put him yeah. at left tackle and he'll be elite. Pretty much. Um, now, Green Bay have to, I mean, look at the schedule at San Francisco. They're going to be pretty good. And then Pittsburgh, week four, obviously in Lambeau. But uh, I don't think anyone saw this team dropping to even 0-2 uh, or 1 even. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I mean, obviously, you're less because, you know, cynical, your team's involved, but fair enough. But, yeah, I'd be pretty confident of, of, of a Packers win. Um, Detroit's still one of the least talented teams in, ter- in roster-wise. Um, a, a long season for them coming. Um, yes, and that wraps up Monday night and indeed a preview of all the remaining 15 week two games. Uh, so, yes, Gordo, a bit of waking up to do early. He's two tips behind me. And I didn't catch, Gordo, your, your certainty tip for this week is? I've been tossing up over a couple, but I think I'm going to have to go with the Browns over the Texans. Okie dokie. Final, just a little bit safe again, but fair enough. You're already well ahead of me. Um, they are by, uh, the, to be fair, Houston do have a win on the board and, and um, Cleveland don't. But, well, yes, now we just wait for three on Monday morning. Gordo over here, American to- uh, Australian time. Sit down for nine or so hours of football and then wrapping up the weekend uh, with the Green Bay and Detroit game. Monday Night Football will be back on Tuesday, uh, Australian time, to recap it all for the week to action. Um, and that's it for the show. Gordo, thanks for being with me. And links to both our blogs are in the description. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music. Songs called Funk Rumble. Links to that in the description. And we'll see you all on Tuesday. Bye-bye.